0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Super Scaling Show. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest, Brandon Kurumasami, who is running Master Talk. He is a communication specialist. Uh, Brandon, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and your business. This episode was brought to you by Super Scaling. Join our free launchpad community today, where we've created a valuable space that has free content on how to scale your business and where we bring together entrepreneurs, just like yourself. You'll learn how to systemize and superscale your business so that your revenues can grow to at least $100,000 a month with a productive team from all over the world Raving fans as clients and happy founders who have true freedom Visit superscaling.com launchpad today
1: and now back to the episode. Alan, the professor is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me on the show. Sam, my name is Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk, which is both a YouTube channel that I started to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking, and I also have a private practice for executives and CEOs where I teach them how to be top speakers in their industries.
0: Awesome, dude. Uh, you know, one of the greatest fears that people say exists is the fear of public speaking, sometimes even more fearful than death itself. Uh, How do you even get started in this space? Yeah, for
1: sure. So for me, it, it all started in college and university, Alvin. So I went to business school. And funny enough, I started it in accounting, which has nothing to do with what I do today. So in my accounting degree, what happened was I started doing these things called case competitions. So think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age are playing rugby or baseball or football, I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively and that's how I learned how to communicate ideas. But then as I got older, I started coaching all the other students on how to speak and I accidentally fell into entrepreneurship Alvin because I realized that, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this and nobody's sharing free tips online on how to communicate for the younger generation. So I just started making videos on how to speak and it just turned into something I never could have imagined
0: what What happened to uh, accounting? Is that still happening for you right now
1: no so so I graduated in accounting, but uh no i I do masdo full time now, so accounting really helped me in my business though because I run my own numbers and I understand how 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 liabilities work in tax, so it' was a good background, but I definitely don't practice it anymore. <laughs>
0: I suppose you you fell into and you've kind of found your calling. That's that's great, man. Uh, like I say, I think public speaking has always been something that is uh, a fear for people. And overcoming that is is you know something that always always uh it's something that people want and people like to have. And it's it's harder than people think. It's 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 like any other skill that we have in our lives, it's got to be something that you deliberately practice and practice right. So, um, how do you discover these aspects of public speaking? How do you f- how do you go through training? You've been trained as an accountant, but how do you go through the training that you've you've you know mastered right now, uh, such that you become a communicator, a competent communicator, a, a great public speaker? Uh, what were the experiences that you went through?
1: Yeah, for sure, Alvin. So I'm a great example of a practitioner. So I don't really have an academic background with communication. But what happened was I would just figure a lot of it on the spot. So let's say when I was 20 years old, I started doing speaking when I was 19. But I was 20 and I started winning these competitions. I wanted to start coaching the other people. But I didn't know it was a profession. So I was just coaching people and it wasn't working. And I was just trying a bunch of different ideas. Because it's one thing for me to know how to speak. But it's really hard to get somebody else to speak. And then a lot of it wasn't working. So think of me like a mad scientist, kind of like, I mean, you've been on the entrepreneurship journey, but you just try a bunch of different things. A lot of it doesn't work. And then you find that one silver lining that gets you to skyrocket the success. So that's why Alvin, when I got into the industry, I had a lot of unique ideas because I was so naive not to listen to the, everyone else in my industry. So that's where a lot of my ideas came from.
0: Man. I love that sometimes. Being naive, I guess, or being ignorant of things can be a, can be a great thing. Uh I, I love the example of Elon Musk, who basically said, you know what, we're just gonna create a completely brand new uh way of creating rockets that's never been done before, and you know, turn the industry on its uh, on its head. Uh and I think that's sometimes the best way that you know we can run businesses and be entrepreneurs. Uh, and that's really questioning what the norm is and you know figuring out a better way of doing things um but it's still a business brendan how how do you start like how do you as a person who just fell into uh public speaking and loved it and you know figured out that you were good at it how do you even get your first few clients like what's the process like For sure, Alvin. And honestly, I'm a great example of someone who never
1: even wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I didn't dream about it as a kid. And the reason isn't because I'm some philanthropist why I started MasterTalk as a hobby, right? MasterTalk was just, I was in my basement. I I opened my phone and I started making YouTube videos on public speaking. It's because I had a great job in consulting at IBM. I landed a great job after graduation. So I wasn't really looking to go full-time on this. But what happened, Alvin, was nine months into MasterTalk, I went to Columbus, Ohio, to Lewis House's event. Lewis House is the host of the School of Greatness podcast. So I went to him because I, I mean, he's like one of my heroes, so I went to meet him in person. And I met my business partner there, Alvin. And he looked at me and my channel, and he said, you know you could charge executives thousands of dollars to work with you, right? And I was like, what? Who's going to pay me money? I'm like 23 years old. I thought the guy was wacko. <laughs> and then he was like, I'll give you some clients. Like, let's split the revenue. And then I was like, what? so my problem was never delivery like i was a good coach because i'd spent years helping people for free but i just never knew you could get you could charge for so think about it like this in entrepreneurship usually you work long hours desperately trying to find product market fit mine was the opposite because i was doing this so much already i never realized i was trying to find product market fit until an executive reached out and said hey i'm ready to pay you for your service i was like what service so that's how i figured out my first couple of clients and then i was able to niche down and and go through acquisition channels to grow the base but that's
0: not how it started awesome uh so you mentioned acquisition channels. What what does that look like? Are you talking about paid ads? Yeah, for sure. So
1: so for us, what that looked like was two main things. So one, of course, in communication coaching, or in coaching in general, word of mouth is going to drive a lot of your business. Because obviously, if you're really good at what you do and you're talented, people are just going to talk about you, right? Especially in my field, because obviously, the person doesn't speak better after they're done with me. I'm probably not great at what I do, right? So, so that's a big piece that drove, and, and it drives most of the business today. I'll probably say 70, 75% of my business today is word of mouth, Alvin but the acquisition channel the second one you would think it's youtube but it actually isn't the the second acquisition channel ended up being outbound on linkedin through a dm strategy using sales navigator in the back end to really target we focused on female executives because a lot of them a lot more insecurity in the boardroom because they're always being compared to men and they have the pressure of trying to get promoted so they became our ideal clients and i started getting a lot of clients in that space
0: Oh, I love that. Uh that that whole thing about product market fit. That's amazing because people always start businesses and they always worry and they're concerned about you know, how they grow and you know how they can uh sell their products better. Uh but literally by starting on the other end, having no expectation about price or like selling and just being able to provide value out there. Uh, you've managed to secure that reputation and that competency, that experience that's necessary. And you got clients as a result, and started a business. That's that's fantastic. I think that's the best way to really prove that you have a business model that works. Um, and you know, I I feel that that's the best way to start a business. Not not coming out with something that you think is cool, and you know, uh, that's what most entrepreneurs try to start with. And then after that, figuring out or finding that you hit this roadblock and have so much trouble uh, getting clients and getting like uh that delivery. So yeah, kudos to you for that. I, I think that's that's so essential to starting a business. Um what what about your team right now? Do you, do you have a team in your business right now or is it just you and your uh, business partner?
1: yeah so we have a team of four people alvin obviously as you know in coaching it's a pretty lean business yep. so you don't really need a lot of employees to do well especially with us we like to do the delivery because that's where we get a lot of the word of mouth but that might change as the business scales so it's me my partner and two contractors so both of those contractors run my my production team for master talk like the media side of the business the instagram post the linkedin posts, the youtube video so we're four people in total yeah awesome
0: and how do you balance work and life? Like, you know, what strategies do you have to balance all that you're doing at work, uh, with life? How does that? How does that look like? For sure, Alvin. I mean, I think you probably know the answer to this one. I I, I don't think like
1: balance exists. I think it's about choosing what balance means to you, right? So, like, for some people, it's about you know working nine to five, being with their family. For me, balance looks like work a ton of hours, like a ton, right? Like this is probably like a 13 hour day for me. But then when I go on vacation, I go on vacation, right? It's like three weeks and no clients can talk to me and I don't go on shows and I I don't do sales calls, right? But I think the key is don't let someone define what balance means to you. Figure out what balance means for you. Like what is the best way to do it? Same thing with like morning routines, right? It's not about doing meditation or cold showers or intermittent fasting test all of them and then figure out what actually works for you like for me it just ended up that i like doing 10 to midnight just better than 8 a.m to let's say i don't know 7 because i just work better that way so you just have to test different things to see what
0: really works or like 4 (laughs) a.m
1: yeah luckily i don't have to do 4 a.m because i have a pretty high margin business but yeah sometimes yeah
0: (laughs) i love it because uh, people always you know, look to... And there's nothing wrong with that. I think people look for others, to others for inspiration and they see the routines that power them and they think that that's, that's the key to success. Um, But like what you said, it? it's a highly personalized journey. And I love that you found what worked for you and you have embraced that and even doubled down on that to create something that works for you. And that's that's so key. It's, it's, it's so understated. People just feel like, you know, there's always this secret key, but it's it's really not. It's understanding the balance. It's understanding what you want to sacrifice in order to get to your goals. It's understanding that, you know, certain things might work better for you uh, than others. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, so you have, you have a, a great communication business right now, um, how do you see your market or your business evolving with time and with trends? Is like for example, your target audience of female executives, is that gonna change? Uh, how how do you see that evolving? Yeah, for sure, Alvin. So so let's start
1: with this. You know, I think the big piece that I think you teach a lot of people as well is whenever we get into a business, we need to ask ourselves what is our unfair advantage? So for me, funny enough, my unfair advantage has to do with the market for sure. But the biggest one is my age. I'm the only communication coach who's 26 years old, but has seven years of experience. So because of that, I have a strong time in the market, because most of the people that do communication coaching are usually double my age, like in the early 50s, late 50s. So in 20 years, I'll be the only one with like 30 years of experience. And I think that time in the market is a huge competitive advantage for what I'm doing, because I started so young. But the, the other piece as well, is where i think some trends are going to go so there's two in particular i'll call out one is my thesis is i think i think women are going to dominate the c-suite in the next few decades and the reason is because we're already seeing the percentage of the fortune 500 increasing really quickly as women so because of that you're going to see a lot of them in, in executive roles more and more because they're graduating more based on scott galloway's data more than men for college so i'm seeing a lot of them going to probably going to be my clients that's one piece. The other piece is technologies. Obviously, we know software is eating the world. So we're going to see a lot more technology professionals. And a lot of them just don't know how to speak really well, but they have money from the from the technical talent that they work at. So I'm, I'm expecting that segment as well to, for the people who want to be technology executives to also be my clients. Those are the kind of the two trends that I'm seeing right now.
0: Awesome. And and in terms of product delivery, how does that look like? Is that innovation in your space? Do you see that you your business and what you do can be innovative and you know what does that look like in terms of helping you get that competitive edge in your industry absolutely alvin you know i think
1: alex Ramos explains this so well innovation is not just necessarily about creating this big tech platform that's going to change the world <laughs> it's about just taking something and if you make it 20 30 percent better than what your competitors are offering over time you'll beat out the market Right? if you keep working on the same product, you keep iterating. So for us, it was really about making two to three key changes that we felt the industry wasn't doing, but it made the product 10 times more more, uh, more productive and getting people more consistent results. So I'll give you a few examples of that. One is usually, let's say you go to a two-day event Dale Carnegie course in the United States. So obviously Singapore is going to be a different market, but let's say in the US. It might cost you like $2,000 US for two days. But the problem with that product is it's not that it's a bad product or anything. It's that you don't have the accountability. You don't have the community. So after those two days, like you, the facilitator just leaves and you just go, well, okay. did I get better? Right? Whereas what we do, which is a little bit different, is we give them unlimited video revision. So during the week, it's three months. But during the week, they're sending me as many videos as they want, which is wild. right? So they'll send me like a video every day, and I'll review every single one. but obviously we'll charge more because of that but what happens is now the result gets guaranteed so the mps score the net promoter score goes up drastically and the word of mouth goes up a lot faster so that's just an example of how we've been able to to rethink what the industry is doing but to make sure we guarantee people's results yeah
0: man uh, i love that because you know Again it's not it's not rocket science like people think businesses have got to be a, a brand new competitive uh, or innovative idea it's the next uber it changes industries but sometimes it's really looking at what value our customer wants and doing the things that our competitors are not or don't want to or uh, like, you know just simply maybe don't have the time or resources to focus on and like what you said create just creating that support structure in which attendees actually get post event support and you know ensure that their success their success is more probable and more uh, possible i think that's that's really something that you know a lot of businesses don't do right simply because maybe they're too big or they don't have the time or focus or energy to to want to do that um and delivering on that just creates that value that people want and that's that's a great business that's great innovation that that i think uh, Again, encapsulates encapsulates um, uh the whole essence of entrepreneurship and why we are in business. So yeah, absolutely love that. Um, so I know business seems great and rosy, and I've been there before. Uh, I had like seventeen years. So what you said about time in market? I started my business when I was seventeen, and like what you said. Right, it's a time in the market. You, it's like reps in the gym. You've got to put in the time and effort. Um, So at a certain age, like 30, I'd be actually having uh, over 10 years of entrepreneurship versus people who start a business at 30. Uh, so I absolutely resonate with what you said. Um, And I know that journeys are not a, a simple straight line journey. <laughs> it's not going up all the time. It kind of looks like a roller coaster if you ask me. So in terms of entrepreneurship and the journey you've been on, like what are some of the low moments that you've experienced so far? For sure, Alvin.
1: I mean, there's so many, we could probably spend the whole podcast (laughs) going through, but, but I'll list out kind of the three big ones. I would say the biggest one is ageism. So ageism just means when you're young and a lot of the people who can afford a coach are usually older. Of course, I had I have clients in my 20s, in their 20s, who have a little bit of money from other businesses and stuff, but they're the exception, right? Not the norm. Most of them are a little bit older. So it was really hard for me to get buy-in from them. So it's hard for me to sell product. And it was really hard for me to do B2B as well because convincing the board to hire a... 23-year-old kid to coach their executive house because not a good USP, right? It's not a good selling prop. So I'd always lose to the bigger contracts, even if my product was better. So, So that was really tough. So how did I overcome that? The way I overcame it was to do B2C, like almost all my business is B2C, because it's much easier for me to convince the person in front of me who's struggling with speaking to buy the service versus convince the company that they should fund it to their executives. Sales cycle is too long, I would have ran out of money. So instead what I did is I went to clients who had already worked with communication coaches in the past and they didn't do a good job getting them a result. So then I would show up and they'd say, well, I don't really have any other choice. It's either I work with you or nobody else. And what I get to sweeten their offer, like create something so resistible, they can't say no, is I gave them free coaching. I just said, hey, I'll give you like two hours for free. And they said, well, I can't argue with that. And then in two hours, they'd be like, okay, send me an invoice. You clearly know what you're doing. So that's how I overcame that. But it took a lot of lead bullets to get there. That's one. One other stupid thing I did was I sent 50,000 emails, Alvin, to university professors to increase the distribution of my YouTube channel. Because I was thinking like, if my teachers share my videos with their students the students will always change but the teacher won't so it's unlimited distribution right it sounds right on paper but the university pitchers didn't care about my youtube videos they didn't because they're archaic but the problem was i was so stubborn i sat there every day because i didn't know how to do automation back then i'd sit there and send 500 emails every single day for 100 days but if I had done that with podcast hosts, who are a lot more open to new ideas and new innovations, a way of seeing the world, I would be ten times bigger today. So yeah, that was two big mistakes I made in business.
0: Fifty thousand five hundred a day. You spend like a hundred, a thousand. Oh my god! Crazy. That was wild. What What was the changing point? Like, how did that that stop? And like, finally, like, you know, you realize that hey, maybe this isn't working out. That that's where the stupidity came out, Alvin. I realized that after
1: email fifty thousand. You know what, Alvin? I realized after <laughs> fifty thousand that only ten of these professors actually care. Whereas when we tried a different outbound strategy, let's say, because po- let's say let's say we look at podcast hosts, right? Podcast hosts are open to new ideas because they're always looking for guests. B. They don't want to keep the tips to themselves. They want to share. So they're always looking for fresh ideas. And C, they also see the importance because they need to communicate better for their podcast. But the challenge, and that's the mistake I made, was I wasn't wasn't split testing different distribution channels. I was just stubborn. Instead of looking at the data, I was stubborn. Saying no, 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 my point of view is the right one. And that gets you killed in business versus going, why is something working? I see like women executives, I never would have thought Alvin that was gonna be my niche. I thought my niche was gonna be like young startup CEO founders, but they're all broke. So they couldn't afford coaching. <laughs> so that was wrong. It turned out to be the woman executive cause they don't have to pay for the service. But I only figured that out when I was looking at the data. So I always look at the data.
0: I love it. Uh, Data-driven. That is so key. We can't just go with our feelings. We can't go with what we feel is right. Uh, Like like what you said, it will get us killed. Um, So data is something that uh, I tell my clients as well. You've got to make sure that you know and monitor what's going on. You can't just spend and invest in resources into something for like 6 months, 12 months, not knowing what the results are, uh, not knowing what the actual reality is and And if you do that, I mean, that's just going to get you killed. So uh, I'm glad you find out, found out. I'm glad you also pivoted and found something else that worked. Uh, and, and that's something that, I guess is, again, a core entrepreneurial like uh, you know thing to do. You've got to experiment, you've got to experiment deliberately. And uh, again. It applies to anything that we do in business, whether it's marketing in your case or hiring or running a team or delivering on our product. It all depends on like, what is it that we are trying to do? And is it getting us the results that we want? Um, we're coming to the end of the show. So thank you for your time, Brandon, and sharing all those tips with us. If the audience wants to reach out to you or MasterTalk, what's the best way to do so? Absolutely
1: Alvin. This is such a fun interview. Thanks for having me, brother. So two ways to keep in touch. One is Master Talk the YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and type Master Talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak. And the second way to keep in touch is I do a free communication workshop over Zoom. That's absolutely free and that's live. So if you want to jump on that, go to rockstarcommunicator.com
0: and just sign up for the next one. Awesome. I'll have that linked into the show notes and maybe I'll check it out as well. I love like, improving like, myself, especially in terms of communication. Um, thank you again for sharing those tips. Thank you again for providing so much value for our audience. Uh, to everyone else, thanks for listening to another episode of the Super Scaling Show. Uh, I appreciate all of you. Please like, comment, and uh, share this episode if you found it useful. And I look forward to speaking to you guys in the next episode. Take care.